Holy God, I just want to thank you for, for bringing us all together. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us today. Lord, that you'd teach us. Um, Lord, that you'd fill us with your understanding and with discernment and, and with an ability to, to hear what you have to say to us, Father, that we could grow. Father, that we could grow in understanding and in knowledge and, and most of all in wisdom. Father, that we could make the appropriate decisions um, in life. Father, I pray that you'd give each one of these people in this room the spirit of discernment. Lord, that they would be able to discern and tell right from wrong, even when it's subtle, even when they're not sure which way to go, that they'd be able to lean on you and tell the right way and the right choice and the right decision to make. Speak now, Father. Speak through me um, to everyone here. Lord, I just pray that, uh, that we'd all come away having grown. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. When they asked me to do this forum, I don't know if any of you, anybody here read the, uh, the introduction or whatever that this is supposed to be about? If you read that, it sounds like I have all the answers, right? This, these are the answers to life. And it's true. I've got them all. Just kidding. But <laughs> hopefully, through what we hear today, um, through maybe some little bit of sharing, you'll be able to come away being able to make some better decisions. I got some nice flowers from somebody. My wife got them for me. Kind of nice, aren't they? You know what's really unfortunate? You know what this flower is going to look like in a little bit? Whether I keep it in the water or not, going to die. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withered. And men gather them, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. See, all of you are just like this flower right now. You really are. Whether you're a Christian or not, you're like this flower. Guys, I know that can be a little embarrassing, but you're like this flower. And if you're not a Christian, you are exactly this flower. You've been plucked. And eventually, it's going to wither and die. Now, all of you, and all of you look this beautifully. You do. Guys, you too. And I'm not weird. <laughs> <laughs> but the sad thing is, is what life is going to do to you. See, this is what life does. Because this is what Satan wants you to look like, whether you're a Christian, especially if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you're going to hell. Um, if you're a Christian, he wants you to look like this. Not so pretty. 
the things that we talk about today, we won't end up looking like that. Um, there's a ton to go over. I was actually laughing. You can ask my wife. I was laughing that when they gave me the, uh, the forum to do, because I'm supposed to cover, what is it? Salvation. Um, salvation, choosing a career, living with parents, and early financial planning by 1130. <laughs> all right, so we're going to make this really simple. We're going to start with the most important one of all. Um, ready? Salvation. Any questions? You better get saved. You want me to be blunt? Get saved or go to hell. I mean, it's, and it's not, I'm not using it as a swear word. I'm just telling you the plain old truth, people. If you're not saved, you are going to hell. And you're going to go to hell after a miserable life. Not much more to it. Um, somebody told me recently, I was counseling, and they said, you know, I see now that by not making a choice, I am. This person's 40 years old. This person decided didn't want to make a choice at the time. It never occurred to the person that they were, in fact, making a choice. Today, if you want to know Jesus and you're not sure, and you want to be saved but you don't know how, right, I am available. I'm not going to spend the next hour talking about salvation because I could spend the next five days talking about salvation. But if you want to know more about salvation, come see me. Right, I'm going to be playing volleyball and basketball. Um, I will gladly stop, even though I really enjoy it. I will stop to talk to you. Um, I am, I'm not really scary. I don't bite. You just say, Bob, let's talk. I want to know more about. I want to know more about God, and I will talk to you about it. Um, and I had a, just one scripture reference for that: First Timothy two, um, three through five. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. God wants all of us to be saved. That includes you too. If you want to know what that means and you're not sure, come talk to me later. Okay? Um, the next one, living with parents. Now, we're not going to go a ton into this because if you look at the rest of your forums for the week, some of them kind of talk about, I think you have one on Wednesday or Tuesday, or I'm not sure, that actually is about dealing with parents. But, you know, just the other day, actually yesterday, I told my daughter um, after we got here, I've got a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter. She had the umbrella. Uh, she's playing with it, and she was lifting it up. And her almost two-year-old sister was right there. And I'm like, at least put the umbrella down. You're going to poke your sister's eye out. And I had a laugh because, <laughs> I mean, that's just like scripted, right? Right out of TV and, and, um, and what your parents probably say to you, right? 
don't do that, you're going to poke an eye out. Anybody's parents ever tell them that? Literally. Don't do that, you're going to poke an eye out. Nobody? My parents did. You know what was funny? I almost poked my friend's eye out. <laughs> uh, okay, it's not really funny. It wouldn't have been funny if I had poked my friend's eye out, right? But I almost poked my friend's eye out. Uh, isn't it amazing how your parents could almost tell the future when you were little? Anybody notice that? You notice that? It's, it's like almost, it's crazy how your parents could say, stop jumping, you're going to hit your head. Yeah, right, right? You keep jumping. Wham, you hit your head. It's like, how did they do that? How did your parents know you're going to hit your head? I bet you my daughters are already wondering. You know, because my little daughter, Carrie, she's jumping on the bed last, last night or yesterday afternoon. I'm like, stop doing that. You're going to hit your head. Bong, 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 bang. Crying, right? I'm like, see? Don't jump, okay? <laughs> I don't want you to hit your head. Quit it. Somebody's going to poke an eye out. I almost shot my friend's eye out with a BB gun. <laughs> he had goggles. He just lifted up the goggles. I was far away. I didn't see that he lifted up his goggles, right? But I was shooting. <laughs> we were playing war, you know? He had a BB gun. I had a BB gun. <laughs> How about don't run on the, oh, here's one. This is one I use. Maybe your parents didn't do this, right? My daughter, my daughters are a little, you know, they're still young, and they're still learning how to, to run well, especially since their shoes are a little big on them, especially my younger daughter. And, and we've got a, a concrete driveway, and then we've got gravel or a stone driveway for the rest of the thing. And, and um, she you know, runs, and she falls, and she scrapes her knees. I mean, if you look at their knees, they're, like, just banged up like nuts. And, um, and I, I tell them, don't run on the concrete. They run on the concrete. Guess what happens? Fall, hit their knees, cry, right? I, it, it's amazing how... As a parent now, I can tell the future. It's a gift from God. And your parents could tell the same thing. Isn't it funny, though? Maybe it's not funny to you. As you get a little older, your parents are telling you what to do. Any of these parents tell them what to do or not what not to do, even though you're 17, 18, 16, 19? Parents still tell you what to do? They're not right all the time, are they? In fact, sometimes they seem downright dumb. It's amazing. I found this amazing. This is, it's, it's not only you, right? I found this amazing. My parents got exponentially stupider as I got older in my teenage years. Right? Their level of intelligence went down as I got older. They don't have all the answers. They're telling you what to do. Don't do that. And you're like, you know what? It's not the same time. Dad, you don't know what you're talking about. It's a different age. You cannot have gone through the same thing I did. My dad used to use that one. I mean, my mom did. Don't do that. I know what you're going through, son. Yeah, right. It's not going to end up good. I mean, like, seriously? I thought, 
how in the world can my parents know what I'm going through? They didn't even have a TV when they were growing up. Okay, maybe it's not the same for you, right? I'm from the old country. I came from Yugoslavia. I was four years old when he came over. My mom was the first girl in the village to have a hand mixer. Like not use a fork, right? She actually had one that spun. I'm not talking about electric hand mixer. I'm talking about one that spins. And I'm serious. How in the world can my mom know what I'm going through? She had a hand mixer that wasn't even electric. Her dad got the first light bulb in the village. I'm serious. The first lamp, you know, like single light bulb in the house. They would turn it on for five minutes a day just so they could look and go, wow. And then they'd shut it off because it was too much money and it burned out too fast, right? There is no way that my parents could have gone through the same thing that I go through. But you know what? And I've talked to people about this, and this is what I have learned. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to take it at face value. There is a reality to what your parents are telling you. You see, when you were little, the situation was obvious. Cause, effect. Very clear cut, very simple. Don't lift up the umbrella at your sister's face. You're going to poke her eye out. Don't point the BB gun at somebody. You might shoot them and hit them in the face and hit them in the eye, right? Cause, effect. Simple. As you get older, the cause, effect, it's more complex. See, it's not that easy anymore. It's not as simple as throw around the concrete, you might fall and hurt your knee. Don't jump on the bed, you might fall off and hit your head. See, those are easy, right? Those are very simple cause-effect relationships. As you get older, as the, as the relationships, as the situations get more involved, this sounds like school, almost like science here, I know, but as that gets more complex, the answers get more complex. The possibilities range. And you know what? Sometimes what your parents tell you doesn't come true right away. And I am honest to goodness speaking from experience. You see, I kind of drew this, this, you know, the sign curve in my class today for the 17-year-olds, right? But Here's my wisdom. Here's my parents' wisdom. This is right about the age of, oh, I don't know, 12. I'm getting smarter. My parents are getting stupider. Actually, it's probably, I'm probably drawing it incorrectly because it's probably doing this, right? Because they're telling me things that aren't necessarily coming true. They're telling me things that they cannot have experienced. You know what happens when, by about the time you hit age 25, those things that they tell you were going to happen, they start materializing. You know, 
all of a sudden your parents start looking a whole lot smarter again. And you start feeling a whole lot dumber. Now maybe some maybe this is happening at 19 with some of you. I pray to God it does. Um What I've learned from my mom and my dad is that there is usually, usually, an underlying principle behind what they're saying. Now, your mom and dad might not be telling it to you in a way that makes that obvious, right? They might be telling you, I experienced the same thing, and that just can't be true. But the underlying principle is the same. Does that, does that make sense? Whether you agree with it or not, does my argument make sense to everybody? Okay. I pray that you find the underlying principle. You don't have to, they, they really, they really have not experienced identically the same thing you have or are experiencing. But by experience, through the things that they did, they see that you're heading along a path that might end you up a similar place that they might have ended up or that a friend of theirs ended up. And it's not that the, the situation is the same. It's that the underlying principles are similar. And can I guarantee that if my daughter jumps in the bed, she's going to fall and hit her head? Odds are, if I was a betting man, if I was in Vegas, I put the odds, I put my money on the fact that she is going to fall off the bed and hit her head. Same thing goes as you get older. Will you end up in the place that your parents say you might? Maybe not. Odds are, you'll get scars. And when you finally figure it out, too late. And it's not like your life is over. It's like you have the scar. So pay attention to that, all right? I'm, I don't want to dwell on it too much. Um, okay, here's another one. Um, how, many, how many of you are Christians? Born again believers, baptized? Okay, a decent chunk. Um, what, should do, what should you do if you're a Christian? And your parents are. They don't like the, ser- they don't like the forum, so they're leaving. No, actually, they're not. They have crafts and stuff. <laughs> um, what should you do if you're a Christian? Your parents are. And they tell you what to do. Why are you responsible to listen to them? Obey your father and mother. The Bible says so. You know what? If something occurred to me as I got older. I think now that I'm a parent, it occurs to me. And maybe this is one of those obvious things that you all get. Being a Christian doesn't automatically make you right. It just makes you forgiven. 
your parents can still be right. You know, honor your father and mother. Obey your parents. But on a real practical level, your parents still have more experience than you do. They've gone through stuff. You haven't. There's still wisdom behind what they're saying. Um, you're going to be talking more about that. Um, I just want to read 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. You can write this down. Um, Paul is talking to the Corinthians. I don't know how many of you know about the Corinthians. They were pretty bad, right? And he says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet are ye able. For you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? You see, Corinthians were Christians. And Paul was saying, I can't give you meat. I got to tell you the basics of salvation because you haven't even gotten past that yet. It's not how, it's not the fact that you are a Christian or how long you have been a Christian. It's how long and how much you're growing. How close to Jesus you want to be. And I think you'll find as you grow in Christ, as you strive to do what is right based on what the Word tells us, you'll find that there'll be a newfound respect between you and your parents. And even when your parents don't necessarily agree with some of the things that you're doing, there's going to be a better trust. There's going to be some respect either way. But if you're saying, I'm a Christian, I can do whatever I want, so pff, it's not going to get you much respect. It's not going to get you much trust. It just shows how much of a baby you are. I wrote down, study the word, grow in grace, most of all, um, through that, work for God. <laughs> and my closing thought, all right, is your parents are going to get smarter again. It's a fact. I just hope it's not too late for you. Um, okay, choosing a career. How many of you know what you want to do when you grow up? Oh. All right. I knew what I wanted to be when I was in high school. I ended up doing that. Um, a lot of stuff went through, went, went through my life in that time. I'm going to share a little bit of it. I want to point out one thing to you. Ready? If, if, you, if you don't get anything about, out of this career thing that we're talking about, except for one thing, I want you to remember this. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, ready? your career will end up in the career graveyard. Your career, no matter who you are and what you do, your career will end up in the graveyard. It'll be junk. Someday, it'll be over. Someday, it'll be over. You have to go into life, go into your career understanding that, okay? that someday your career will be over. If you don't go into understanding that, well, we'll see what happens. So what's your end goal? Who's going into, 
Everybody who wanted to knows what they're going to do. Raise your hand. Okay. Start throwing out. What are you going to do? What do you want to do? Saw some hands in the back first. Some ladies. Nursing. What else? Child psychology. Teaching. What else? Tool and die. What was that? Bioengineer. Embassy work. What else? Sports. Mechanical engineering. Business. What was that? Machine tool builder. Investigative journalism. And what was in the back? Electric engineer. Firefighter. No architects. I'm an architect. An architect. All right. Hey, I'm an architect. Good luck. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love my job. I love my job. What, for those of you that threw out what your career is, what is your end goal? What is your end goal in your career? What was that? Own some Ferraris. Make money. What's that? Nothing. All right. Make sure whatever I do is what God wants me to do and to serve him better. You know what? The first thing you need to do is determine your end goal. When you choose your career, you need to know where you want to end up. Make money. Have some Ferraris. A vet. Porsche. Lamborghini. Lamborghini. Diablo. Diablo. Yeah. yeah. Are you going? <laughs> I set my sights a little lower. I set my, I set my sights a little lower. I wanted a Porsche Boxster. I didn't need the Ferrari, right? And I was only talking about a $50,000 car instead of a $120,000 car or a $300,000 car. You know what? I don't think I'm ever going to get my Porsche Boxster. Here's the thing. Why am I saying look at your end goal? Okay. If your career is going to end up in the junkyard, no matter how successful you are at it, you could own five Ferraris. You could own your Diablo. I could own my Boxster. One day, with my career in the junkyard, I'm going to have to look back at my life. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, whether you plan on being a Christian or not, you will Look back at your life. And you need to know, or you need to ask yourself, what do I want to see? What do I want to see when I look back at my life? I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. I want to read a scripture. Um, Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 4. Solomon writes, Remember now the Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened. Now, Elijah, I'm not Elijah, sorry, that's still this morning's class. Um, Solomon is talking about getting old, right? Because he starts off and he says, remember your Creator when you're young. When he says, when the sun or the light or the moon be not darkened, he's talking about getting old, not being able to see. 
nor the clouds return in the, in the, after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. The house is your body. And he's saying your limbs are trembling, right? Lifting up your old, lifting up your arms. And the strong men shall bow themselves. You're going to be walking like this. And the grinders cease. I laughed at this statement. And the grinders cease because they'll be few, right? I thought about what does that mean? He's talking about your teeth. <laughs> and the grinders cease because there'll be few. You're not going to be chewing much. And those that look out the window shall be darkened, and the door shall be shut in the streets, and the sound of the grinding is low. Um, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Saying, in the end, all that you do is useless. All that you do is useless. When you look back at life, what are you going to see? You see, I believe, unless you're within God's will, I firmly believe this. Unless you're within God's will and he grants you the Ferraris, the Diablo, while you're working for him, when you look back at life, you're going to see a bunch of broken relationships. Unless you're within God's will, you will have to bust your tail or steal or sell drugs or be very good at sports to have that Ferrari the Diablo and if you're not stealing or doing drug or selling drugs or excellent at sports you're gonna have to work really really hard long hours at the office I love it I've come home um, you know at 5:30, 6 o'clock from the office and sometimes I have to go back out to do errands, or sometimes I have to go back to the office um, after the girls go to bed to finish up. And I love it when I'm coming back, and it's 9 o'clock, and I look at the office buildings around my office and the cars that are still there. It's a Series 7 Beamer. It's a 5 Series. I see some Mercedes. I see the occasional vet in the Porsche. Those guys got their hot cars, and they're still at the office, and they never even left. How many relationships are you going to have working at the office till 9 o'clock? You know what? You're going to end up divorced. Your kids are going to go with your, your wife. You're going to end up alone paying child support because you're at the office till 10, 11 o'clock making the money. If that's what you want, that's fine. Know what your end goal is. Know what your end goal is. The second thing, your career has to be in light of God's word. All right? If, and I'm talking more if you want to be a Christian and you want to listen to God. I know somebody that wants to be a police officer. Can you be a Christian and be a police officer? Sure, I suppose. Odds, you know, having to have the gun, learning how to shoot, having to kill somebody sometime in your life, odds are getting better every day with the society that we live in. 
I would totally discourage you and tell you it's the, totally the wrong path to go. If you say, I want to be a police officer and I want to serve Jesus. How are you going to feel that day? You know, we talked about in, in class, Nate brought up that Elijah might have felt horrible at the 450 prophets he had to kill. You want to do something that you have to shoot a gun, join the military? How are you going to feel someday when Jesus says, love those that hate you? Love your enemies, and you have to pluck them off. I wanted to be an F-15 pilot when I was in junior high school. I knew everything inside and out about the military. I wanted to be an F-15 pilot. That was just the best thing in the world. I praise God today that he didn't give me 20-20 vision and he made me 6-3. One, I can't fit in the cockpit. Two, they won't let me fly. That threw that one out the window right away. Uh, if you want to be su successful, truly successful, you want to look back at your life, be where God wants you. Um, this is more about school. And I, I just want to share some of the things that, that I went through. Um, initially, anybody want to leave home? I mean, just like, when you, how many people are in college? Okay, not too many. How many people are going to college? How many people want to go to a different state to go to college? Or like, leave home to go to college, right? Yeah, I was one of those people. Um, in spite of myself, I wasn't a Christian. I ended up going to a community college, three years. I was really bad at math, had to take you know, algebra all over again, um, geometry all over again, and I ended up an architect, right? <laughs> so watch out which bridges you go on <laughs> or on top of or buildings. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm pretty good at math now. Right? But I had to start all over. I went to junior college, if that's what you want to call it. When I was done with junior college, I wanted, to leave, I wanted to leave home. I wanted to go experience some new things. Um, so I applied to schools out of state. And I applied to a school in state and some schools out of state. Didn't get into the schools out of state. At this point, I was a Christian. And, and I was praying, Lord, just open the doors. But I really want to go. But open the doors and shut the doors where you want me to be. But I really want to leave. I actually wanted to go to Syracuse. had friends in Syracuse. Um, I was going to attend Cornell. Right? You know, I, just a short side story. We've got to go. We've got to move here. But just a short tangent, right? In architecture, I mean, this shows you how stupid, not stupid, ignorant. Ignorance is a good word because I wasn't stupid. I was just ignorant. I didn't know. Um, they asked for a portfolio. In architecture school, you need to send a portfolio to get into school, to get into schools. And that means you show examples of your work and you send it in, right? Well, nobody ever taught me what a portfolio was. So I bought a, I bought a photo album with this, you know, the sticky stuff, right? And, and just took pictures of my work and, you know, stuck it in there and labeled it and sent it in, right? And, and they sent it back to me. And, uh, and they said, sorry, no. And I was so bitter. I vowed that when I became a famous architect, I was not going to lecture at Cornell. Because right? <laughs> they didn't let me in. They didn't know how good I really was. God made me go to a local university. That's the door that he opened for me. 
you know, I became a Bible class teacher in our church. I stayed as youth group leader. I went through a lot of struggles. I did. Um, I got really involved in architecture. Architecture has a lot of, of theories and, and, and complex ideas that you can get absorbed in. Just like I'm sure the medical field, chiropractics, I know um, for some people that are in chiropractics, man, you can go off in all kinds of theories and spend all your time just doing that. And I started to get into that in school. I thank God that he pulled me out and he made me realize that he is my end goal. So I became a Bible class teacher. I even became chairman of the committee that ran the church, right, the physical portion of the church. Because I was on fire. I was excited. I wanted to work for God. And I went to school. And I studied hard. I stayed up till 2 or 3 in the morning, working on projects, 4 in the morning. Once, I didn't sleep for three days. It was really hard driving home that day, that last day from school. right? For, but at the same time, I didn't forsake church. I didn't forsake God. I didn't have the best grades. I had good grades. Um, as I finished school, I got married. Um, Leanne and I, we, we prayed about where I should go. Um, I, had, I sent five applications out for grad school. I got accepted at all five schools. Um, one of the schools was Georgia Tech. One of the schools was Michigan, University of Michigan. Got accepted to all those. And, you know, by the grace of God, it really was not me. And I, this is not a pat on my own back, right? I had this incredible deal from Georgia Tech. They offered to pay my entire tuition. They gave me a fellowship, so they offered to pay my entire tuition. They offered me $5,000 in addition to the tuition, free room and board, and a teaching assistantship. Oh, and a summer job at a local firm. University of Michigan offered to pay for half my master's degree. I'd have to cover the other half. Which one did you go to? How many people go to Georgia Tech? Right? I was thinking the same thing. Well, it seems like it's, you know, that's obvious. I did not want to make the, right, the, the wrong decision, though. I prayed that I wouldn't make the wrong decision. You see, I thank God that at that point, he made me mature enough to ask him where, I wanted to, where he wanted me to go. Because if I stayed where I was and went to Michigan, I could stay involved in church. If I went to Georgia Tech, I'd go to a small sister church um, or you know, somewhere else, and who knows where, because we don't have a church down there. It's in Atlanta. I um, wouldn't have been involved. My wife would have made new friends, probably not church friends. And so Leanne and I prayed and fasted. And then I wrote down where I felt the Spirit leading me to go, and she wrote down where she felt the Spirit leading her to go. Without, look, without talking to each other or looking at what we were writing down, and then we looked at it. And we both felt we should stay at Michigan. 
You know, I'm a, I'm a preacher now in our church. I counsel people and tell them about Jesus. I have a great job, too. I'm second in charge. I'm a designer. It's like the, the epitome of what you want to do as an architect, in most cases, is design buildings. I get to design buildings. The other people do the drawings. I do the designs. On top of that, I get to design cool buildings. I get the best projects in the office. My boss really likes the creativity that God's given me. My boss is a Baptist. He's a really cool boss. We do some far out contemporary buildings. I have a great time. My girls are going to church. We're involved. And I'm working for God. The way that seems right to man isn't always the way to go. I don't know where I would have ended up if I would have went to Georgia Tech, but I can tell you this. That's not where God wanted me. And when I look back at my life, when I look back at my life, I want to see people that I've helped. Because in the end, that boxster ain't coming with me. You know what? Your Diablo, it's going to rust away. So are the Ferraris. No matter how much care you put into them, you're going to die and they're going to rust away. Um, anybody, I forget the name of the, the artist. Um, he sings a song, Thank You. Ray Bolts. Anybody ever hear of Ray Bolts? He sings a song, it's called Thank You. And it brings tears to my eyes. And in it, talks about a person getting to heaven and seeing a Sunday school teacher and saying thank you because if it wasn't for you I wouldn't have heard about Jesus see that's who I want to be I want to be the Sunday school teacher what's your end goal what's your end goal Early financial planning. Um, save money, don't spend it. Okay, I'm not a financial planner. Um, you want to get some. You want to get just some pointers ready, just real quick. Things that I've learned. Don't get into, don't go into debt. Don't overdraw your credit cards. Because it's you become a slave to your credit card. Um, oh, this one was good. This is good, right? Um, it's becoming a common thing. Let your parents pay for things as long as you can. <laughs> right? Suck them dry. That's what they're there for. Um, you know, at some point, at some point, you need to get past that, people. At some point, you need to get past that. And the earlier you can, the better off you're going to be. Um, I don't know. Look up Luke 21, 1 through 4 at some point. Okay, one more. This is the biggest granddaddy of them all. It's not even in there, in your, uh, in your handout. Um, I know this thing is supposed to be about overcoming the teenage years. 
I believe that you are going through something that your parents have not gone through before. In fact, your parents might be going along through it with you and not even realize it. It's something that's new to the 21st century, and it is going to make you or break you as people. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that. Um, I want to ask you some questions. Ready? Just show, a show of hands. Um, is it wrong? Raise your hand if you think it's wrong. Is it wrong to go out, go and hang out with French, friends from church and go to a movie or watch a video? Is it wrong to go shoot pool with some friends? Is it wrong to go to a basketball game? Is it wrong to join a competitive volleyball league? You better not say no, because, I mean, you better not say yes, because I'm in one. <laughs> Is it wrong to go to the mall with friends, go shopping? No? Yes? Yeah. Okay, hey, is it wrong to work for the car that you want? No. Is it wrong to go to a bar, drink lightly with friends? Yeah, not too much. Just a little. Okay, I start to see some hands up. How about getting drunk? Is it wrong to get drunk? Okay. Is it wrong? Let me ask you this. Is it wrong to do marijuana? Just wait. Let me, let me rephrase that. Let me, re, let me rephrase that. Just to do it occasionally because you enjoy the feeling. Is it wrong? Is it still wrong? It's funny how we start to enter a gray area where at first we get a few hands and now by the end, every, pretty much everybody thinks it's wrong to go do dope. I'm assuming, I picked dope because it's the lighter one. I'm assuming if I go to acid and um, all the other stuff that's out there these days, I'm going to get all the hands up, right? Because I, I figured dope is a little lighter. What do all these have in common? There's something that they all have in common. Every single one of these things that I listed. What? They're liberties. Good. What else? Things we do in this world. They all also, they also... Me, they all focus on yourself. You know, there was, there was a guy in my church. He's not there anymore. He used to drive me crazy. When I was a Bible class teacher, when he was a Bible class teacher, we butted heads. Um, really nice guy. I love the brother. But he drove me crazy. Everything, no matter what we talked about, you know what his answer was? It starts with self. It's all about self. And I'm like, oh, get over it. There's more to life than self. I was young. He was right. Life is about you. That's what the world tells you. People, ladies, gentlemen, like never before, the world is about you. Like never before, the world teaches us we've got to make ourselves happy. Time is running out. Get that Diablo. Work hard for it. 
You need those Ferraris. You're going to die soon. You better hurry up. Work hard. Get those Ferraris. Buy those clothes. Ladies, gentlemen, and you got to look good. Got to have the right logo. Got to look good. Whether you look bad or look good, you got to look good. It's all about you. We don't have we don't have a lot of time. Um, it's about I mean think about your life and think about what your friends do and what you, and what you do. It's all about enjoyment. It's all about having a good time. People leave churches. I'm not being fed. I'm going somewhere else because I'm not being fed. People leave friends they're not fun. It's all about ourselves. And it's temporary. And it doesn't help people. And it's not what God wants. And I could spend an hour talking about just this subject. I could spend more. But you see, you see Satan, Satan could not defeat the church by getting us whipped, by getting us killed, by getting us beaten, by getting us thrown in jail. My uncle went to jail in Yugoslavia because he wouldn't take a gun. I know somebody who went to jail, spent five years in jail. When he got out of jail, they handed him a weapon. He wouldn't take it. You know what they did? Sent him back in. An elderly man from my church who passed away recently, a brother, went to prison in Canada. You think this happened just in Europe? He went to prison in Canada during World War II because he wouldn't take a gun. Huh? World War II. Listen, 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 listen. Satan could not win. He was losing. From the beginning, in Jerusalem with the apostles, he persecuted the apostles. The apostles scattered from the persecution. And what happened? The church grew by thousands. Excuse me, I don't want to spit on the people in front. The church grew by thousands. So what did he do? Gets us to focus on ourselves. And it's not an epidemic in this room. It's not an epidemic just in our denomination. This is an epidemic in Christianity in North America. Maybe in Australia, England, Western Europe. We have too much money. You might think you're poor. Excuse me. You have more money than 90% of the world. We have water every day, and we think it's funny and you don't think about it. People in Africa, we're talking 10 years from now, we might have water wars. And we think it's, we, it's a joke. It could really be true. Because where the biggest populations are, they have no water. And they're going to start looking for water. We might have water wars 10 or 20 years from now. 
We're the richest people in the world. And we have so much time, we're forgetting what God wanted us to do. And in Matthew 6, seek, you first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Oh, this one's good. First Kings, Solomon. God comes to Solomon. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor asked the life of thy enemies, but hast asked for, thy own, for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Solomon wanted wisdom to lead his people. God said, I'm going to give you wisdom to lead your people, and I'll give you everything else besides. Seek God first. And what does he want us to do when we say seek God first? That's this thing that's floating up in the air that none of us understand. Matthew 25. Read this passage. Matthew 25 tells us very clearly. Matthew 25 says in verse 40, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these, you have done it to me. And that's what he's telling to the people on his right. The sheep that are going to heaven. Then shall, see, then shall he also say to them on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you didn't clothe me. In prison, and you didn't minister unto me. In so much as you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. God wants us to love each other. God wants you to go out of your way to help the other person. You're not being fed in church? Go work for God, and you'll get fed. Do some feeding, and you'll find that you'll get fed. When's the last time, on your own, you visit a nursing home to talk to an elderly sister or an elderly person or to visit your grandmother? When's the last time you showed up at church when nobody was there just to clean up, just to pull some weeds, just to help out a little bit. When's the last time you did something for somebody else? It's going to make you or break you. It's going to change the face of the church in the 21st century. It is. Entertainment. Self-focus, self-centeredness. It's already changing North America. And it's going to change the church. I pray that through you, through you, it makes us stronger. It makes us better. God bless you all. We're done.